FM 96.3 AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive. Everybody, Kurt and Anthony here. And joining us in, in studio now is Dr. Beth Zygman. She is the Director of Lung Screening at the Univers- University of Vermont Medical Center. Good morning, Beth. Good morning. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so, for having me. Lung cancer screening. Let's get right into it. Uh, first of all, what is the what is how common is lung cancer today? Um, it used to, and, and also I guess along with that, how of the people that end up diagnosed with lung cancer, how many of them are smokers? Oh. The majority of them are smokers, but there are also a lot of non-smokers who are diagnosed with lung cancer. And each year, about 240,000 people nationally are diagnosed with lung cancer. And about half of the, about roughly half and half with regards to men and women. And a very large number of those people will die from their lung cancer. Uh, do are we are we in a better place now today than we were years ago in terms of screening for lung cancer? Because well, as we hear in in regard to every cancer, uh, whether it's breast cancer or prostate cancer or colon cancer, that it's so critical, obviously, to get an early diagnosis. Are we in a better place today in regard to that with lung cancer? We're in a much better place with regards to early detection via lung screening. Um, so ten years ago. Lung screening was first covered by insurance. The problem is that most people don't know that there is such a thing as lung screening. So the rates of screening are still extremely low compared to other types of health screenings. Why is that? That, that uh, you know, everybody knows. I mean, it's been around longer, obviously, but people, you know, it seems like everybody knows about, for example, got to go get the colonoscopy, that screening, uh, breast cancer screening. Why don't people know yet about this? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and there are, and there, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussion about this in, in, in our community and a lot of discussion among physicians who do this. Um, so there are lots of problems and some of them are at the level of the institution and some of them are related to the providers who write the scripts, you know, the prescriptions for lung screening tests. And some of the barriers are with the patients, so or with the people who are are at risk for lung, for lung cancer. So I think the biggest barrier is that the guidelines for lung screening are more complicated than the bar- the guidelines for other types of screening. So it's not just a certain age threshold that you have to be over to get screened for lung cancer. You have to have a certain number of what we call pack years of smoking history. So so it's really a test that's geared towards people who are high risk for lung cancer. So, uh, who, who else is at high risk for lung cancer? So obviously you had to meet some of this criteria. Yeah. In other words, to, to be screened and have it covered. Um, could you get screened without it being covered if you were just worried about it and you said, you know, I, I don't fit this criteria, but I, I'm concerned about it anyway. And so I would like to have the screening. You, can you do that, but you just have to pay for it? Yes, that's correct. So, so there's the, there's the guideline that's, um, you know, it, so there's an organization called the United Service, United Preventive Services Task Force, and they basically are this body that says, you know, this particular test is scientifically, you know, based on the evidence is worth having for this group of people. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be covered by insurance, although if it meets a certain level of evidence, 
the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid will, will cover it, and then the private insurers jump on and cover it. But there's another organization called the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, and they have a separate set of criteria. So if you meet those criteria, your, your physician or your, your provider, your nurse practitioner, whoever's, whoever's your primary care doctor, uh, may be willing to write you a prescription if they think that you're at high risk. For example, if you've had radon exposure or some other, you know, some sort of occupational exposure, if you have a strong family history. So there are other criteria that you might meet. But in general, the, the lung screening test is really best uh, for, for people who have a, a strong smoking history. But, there, you know, if you're concerned that you may have a risk factor, by all means, you should speak to your provider about it and see if there's anything that, that can be done. All right. Well, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Um, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, and I believe that I would probably be uh, at risk for lung cancer uh, based on my occupations that I've had over my life working as a you know, a plumber and in the plumbing industry and working in, uh, um, you know, basements that have uh, asbestos insulation on the piping. Uh, now, would that would that uh, be counted as, uh, you know, high risk and being able to have it covered by insurance as a preventative visit? That's a really great question. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it, it, it hasn't, the, the criteria have not been broadened to include folks like yourself who have an occupational exposure and that's unfortunate and there's a lot of you know hope in the medical community that one day we can expand the criteria so that people like you can be can be screened but right now you wouldn't be eligible for lung screening under the CMS guidelines so your insurance company might cover your screening depending on what your insurance allows, but you would have to talk to your provider about that. And I would recommend that you do that because if you're sure that you've had chronic exposure to asbestos, that is a risk factor for lung cancer. And, and it's certainly worth getting, getting. And that would that. be one piece. Then if uh, they probably would have discussions about genetic history, if he's got relatives that have had it, if there's some predisposed uh, other things Correct. That, that may help make the cause. So insurance covers it. Right, right. All right. Well, so, we're just we're going to take just a, a quick ninety second break. We're uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Beth Sigmund, uh, the director of Lung Thrive on FM ninety six three and AM six twenty News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Where we are continuing our discussion now with Dr. Beth Sigmund, and she is the director of Lung Cancer Screening for the University of Vermont Medical Center. Uh, Beth. So we know there are eligibility requirements to be able to be covered for this lung cancer screening. Uh, I want to talk about why rates may be low for this. But first, we talk about obviously smoking is is probably the biggest driver, right? Does that include secondhand smoke? Ah, that's a great question. And that falls into that category of people who aren't, covered under the current guidelines unfortunately <clears throat> so for example you like let's say somebody's been a bartender for 30 right. years but they've never smoked and of course now it's changed but years ago there was a lot of smoking in downtown bars or or clubs so somebody who's been in a position to be around smoking the secondhand smoke that that would not be covered or is that under discussion it's all under just all under discussion occupational exposures and that's that's a really great question because a person like that should be concerned 
um, and certainly should talk to his or her provider about the option of being screened and whether their insurance covers it. Um, but I'll talk for a minute just about what the what the criteria are because we've talked a lot about yes. people yeah. who people who are not eligible, which is really unfortunate because there are a lot of at risk people who are not eligible for this test under the current guidelines. Um, although they may still be be able to get screened, they, they they you know they it would depend on their particular insurance. Um, so the people who can be screened are people who have smoked for a great number of years. Um, so we call it a pack year history. It's basically the equivalent of a pack a day for a year is referred to as a pack year. So if you've smoked roughly a pack a day for roughly 20 years, you may be eligible for screening. Um, if you've quit smoking, you're still eligible. If you're a current smoker, you're eligible, but you have to have quit within 15 years. And I want to, I want to just qualify that a little bit because smoking is not, it's not a steady thing. It's very hard to right. quit. It's Ugh. very, it's, it's, you know, it's very, very difficult for people to quit. So you may have smoked for a while and then you stopped for a while and then you smoke for a while, and you stop for a while. So the bottom line is if you, if you feel as if you've, you've had a, a significant amount of smoking in your life, then um, I would, I would recommend that you just speak to your doc and, you know, or speak to your provider and, Ask them if you qualify for this test. Um, the other, the other criterion is that you have to be 50 years or older. Mm-hmm. So if you're 50 and you've smoked a lot or what you think is a lot, um, just speak to your, speak to your provider and see if you can have this really, really powerful screening test. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. You're on the air. Okay, so my question to you is, we know what the test is for colon cancer or for breast cancer. Um, what is lung screening? Is it, is it an x-ray? What exactly do you, how do you, what do you do? Another great question. I love these questions. <laughs> so um, what you do for lung screening is you basically get what you know as a CAT scan okay, or a CT scan. But what we do with the lung screening scan is we drop the radiation dose very, very low. Okay. Because the lungs are a tissue that contains a lot of air. Mm-hmm. And because they contain a lot of air, we don't need to use as high a dose to see things that aren't air. So what we see is we see air, and then we see things that are not air. Well, you just answered my other question <laughs> was, what kind of radiation exposure are we talking about? Yeah, Because every time you, you know, everybody's like, oh, I want to get this, I want an x-ray or a scan. Or, I'm like, yeah, but... That's radiation. So you, you don't want to just be snapping shots all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a very, very important question and a good concern to have. Um, but the dose for lung cancer screening now. So so we have we have much better scanners than mm-hmm. we used to. So a lot of the concerns about radiation um, are mitigated or reduced by the fact that we have such powerful scanners now that have all this dose reduction technology just built into them. And also we drop the dose very, very low. So. Your your typical lung screening test is a little bit under the dose that you would have from a mammogram oh, from wow. a, from a from a, a mammogram these days. So so that a, low, you know, good probably. I would think of it as about twice that of a mammogram. Mm-hmm. So it's a very low dose. Um, it depends on the size of the person and you know other factors, but yeah. and so that scan that that would pick up um, virtually any any. You know, you see, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm basing everything on TV shows, okay? But you know, like little black dots and things like that. I mean, it would, it would show a lot of things that are in its infancy, say cancer, early, early on. 
Exactly. Yeah. And exactly what we see is little white dots, actually, because the way the air looks to us is black. And then the the, the little lung cancers look like little dots or bigger dots. Mm -hmm. And we you know, the power of the study is that we we detect them early when they're curable, as opposed to after patients have after people have developed symptoms once you've got symptoms, the likelihood that it's curable is much, much lower. Yeah. We're talking to, talking to Dr. Beth Zygman. She's the director of lung cancer screening at the University of Vermont Medical Center. If you have a question for Beth, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline talking about lung cancer screening. Uh, Beth, let me read something to you that I pulled up online. And, you know, you can find anything online, right? And it shouldn't necessarily mean you should all listen to everything you read. Yeah. But let me just read one of the things that is said. A lung cancer screening test can find cancers of can can find cases of cancer that might never have caused a problem for the patient. This is called overdiagnosis. Overdiagnosis can lead to treatment that is not needed. Radiation from repeated tests can cause cancer in otherwise healthy people. How do you respond to that? Oh yeah, let me respond to that. <laughs> so um, so that is a legitimate statement. There is overdiagnosis with any screening test. There's overdiagnosis with col- with colonoscopy. There's overdiagnosis with with uh, breast cancer, with you know prostate mammography. Pro- oh, certainly with prostate cancer screenings. You know with PSA. Um, so you know there's overdiagnosis in all screening tests. And you know the 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 issue with overdiagnosis is to to actually show how big that problem is you have to look at a huge population of people so you know what i would say to that is you don't know necessarily yet i mean there there's a lot of you know there's a lot of research on these on these subjects but we don't know yet if that particular cancer is going to blossom into a blossom is probably not the right word is going to grow into a a lethal cancer so you know I, i think it's a legitimate concern but I know that for the patients who I've, you know, seen in my program, there are lots of folks who've come in with early stage cancers who, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't know if this is true, but I suspect they would have had fatal cancers if they had not been diagnosed early. Um, lung cancer is a very aggressive disease if it, if it spreads and, um, you know, it, Early detection is the best tool that we have to protect people from this disease. And so in terms of protecting against overdiagnosis, you would say that you don't, if you see a cancer that's not spreading or however you look at it, you might say, look, we just need to monitor this right now. It's not spreading. It's, uh, is that right? Is that what? Yeah, that's exactly right. We have very strict criteria by which we determine which cancers or which, which, you know, which dots, as you put it, which lung nodules have to be acted upon and which ones we're just going to watch. And most of them, the vast majority of them, we watch. Mm -hmm. We just watch them. And then the ones that are not, you know, they they reach a certain size. Size is the biggest criterion that we use. Then we, then we act. Then we. And so you would, if somebody came in with a cancer that was not like, oh my gosh, this is, we've got to, you, you would treat it differently. You would, how, how often would you have them be monitored um, depends it, right yeah it totally depends on the size of the the finding and the the lesion and it also depends on the um uh you know the other factors but usually usually it's the size the size is the most important thing there are other features too but 
usually when we see something, we get a follow-up CT scan. We get a follow-up CAT scan. In the vast majority of patients who have anything at all, the next test is just another CAT scan to make sure it's not growing. Yeah. And then if it's not growing, we just we wait till the next year. And the, you know, one important point I'd like to make is if you you know if you think that you're eligible for this, definitely speak to your provider because it, it really is a very you know the evidence is very strong. And then you know we we simply follow you know we follow, and it's important to come every year for your annual screening study. And why do you think the rates are as low as they are? Um, and is it low in Vermont more than it is nationally, or is it about the same? Actually, that's a really great question because in Vermont we have one of the best screening rates in the country. And, and so that's the the irony isn't lost because last week we were talking about breast cancer screening and we have one of the worst rates oh, in the country. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Yeah, we have one of the highest rates in the country, and you'll be astounded to hear that that is thirteen percent oh. of eligible people. It's only thirteen percent. It's only thirteen okay. percent. We are still one of the three highest in the country. Um, and and at UVM Medical Center, we actually screen thirty percent of eligible people in our health system. So we're actually doing quite well, relatively speaking, but really poorly but in it's general. Still, it should be higher. It should be it's much higher. It's a third of the potential. Yeah. 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 Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I find this very interesting. Uh, I've been seeing a lot online about how ketogenic diets, uh, they're cutting back on sugar, uh, helps restrain or retard uh cancer cell growth does the doctor know anything about that or she, she heard anything about that i have not heard anything about that i'd have to i'd have to look into that i'm sorry well she brought me in a bag of tootsie rolls for halloween so uh <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> i may be contributing to that <laughs> no i've got my own issues <laughs> yeah. that's a whole other segment <laughs> so you uh in response to him is there's no data that shows that uh suppressing sugar intake is is an issue with lung cancer maybe um, other issues but not lung cancer yeah i mean it's if i heard the question correctly it was about cancer in general right but i'm not sure yeah i'm not really aware of that data i'm not really aware of that research so i would have to i would have to look at and it. so again you feel that these advances in lung cancer screening now are really critical and and are saving lives for people to get this early detection. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's very good evidence for that. Um, so I would encourage people to, to ask yeah. their providers about it. Almost out of time, but do you also believe that there's going to be further uh, advances in regard to the screenings where more people will be covered? Uh, because I imagine there's a number of reasons why people don't get the screening. There are lots of reasons why people don't get screened. I think the biggest one is probably just not knowing that it's out there. And also the stigma of, of smoking, you know, people who've smoked feel like they, you know, it's hopeless. And why would I, you know, why would I do this? Um, but we, we do really help a lot of patients. I mean, about half of the, if, if for the patients who've come through our screening program compared to patients who've just shown up with symptoms of lung cancer, your chance of surviving that lung cancer, at least our, our chance of detecting that lung cancer early is, is about twice as high in the screening program so and if caught early um it's treatable if caught early it's very treatable it's a very treatable disease if you catch it early yeah it's it's like you know we talk about colon cancer we talk about breast cancer but really i until today i hadn't even thought about screening for lung cancer and catch it early catch it early and you've got a significantly better chance exactly exactly and the, the later you catch it the more 
risk there is mm-hmm. in the treatment. Where does lung cancer, one last question, where, where does lung cancer stand in regard to, you know, we hear how many people die from colon cancer. Where is that, where is this list on that? On oh, that another really great question. You guys are full of great questions. So the, the, so the fact of the matter is that lung cancer kills more people. It, it's the second most common cancer. Well, forget about, forget about skin cancers, you know, the little yeah, carcinomas right. that they just scrape off. Um, so that's the most common. But the next after that is breast in women and prostate in, ma- in men. And then, so so lung cancer kills more people than breast, prostate, and colon cancers combined. Yeah, but because you don't get it screened. Because you don't yeah. detect it early. You and, know, if you get it late, it's a very it's, lethal it's done. disease. And yeah. even if you quit wow. 10, 15, 18 years ago, you st- that's a good thing, it's but you thing. still should... Uh, maybe want to be tested maybe get screened you're still at risk for lung cancer and yeah you should talk to your you should talk to your provider and see if you're eligible for this test absolutely beth you said that we were we were filled with great questions are full of great questions a lot of people just say we're full of it period <laughs> <laughs> dr beth zigmund uh she is the director of lung cancer screening at the uh, uvm medical center thanks for being on the morning drive today to Make us better informed about this really critical topic. Yeah. Thanks Great. for having me. You may have Thank sa- you. you may have literally saved lives this morning. I hope so. Thanks. I hope so. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming in. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, check in with Fox News. Amanda's got the headlines and